Welcome to the Mind of a Coach podcast. We are your hosts, Coach Nathan Moran and Coach Asa Duval. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, Nate. I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, might, might look a little bleary-eyed at the moment. Tuesdays and Thursdays tend to be uh, one of, a couple of my, of my uh, longer days, um, but I'm here now and I'm, I'm ready to have a good time. Oh, yeah. You're looking good, man. You. Looking good. Clean mic, man. It's going, it's going. And I see you got the Asa Duval poster in the background. Yeah, yeah, the jersey that uh, unfortunately really didn't get worn that much. Definitely didn't get worn <laughs> a lot in it, but it's, it's back there. Probably really oh, yeah. hadn't even been washed, but it's back there. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I sure hope it's been washed. You sweat too much for it not to be washed. Well, that's what I'm saying. I didn't play enough to really sweat that much in it, so. Asa, you're sweating while thinking right now. <laughs> awesome man so so for the viewers out there we wanted to create this podcast to start a sophisticated conversation between coaches of all ages of all backgrounds because we're trying to reach basketball minds of all in all aspects of the game so we want to be able to help you we also want you guys to be able to help us as well and it's going to be a fun process between this so yeah, anyway yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, man. yeah. you excited yeah, man, especially just being able to get, I mean, just even bounce off different ideas between you and I having room with you for four years and uh, you being in the same profession now. Um, he, uh, you started a little before I did, but uh, it, it's cool, man. And so I think we'll, we'll be able to learn a lot from each other. Um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to some people while doing it. Um, but just being able to talk and have those conversations, try to learn something new from everybody. I feel like if you're not learning something, um, you're probably doing it wrong, and you can really always learn something from anybody. Um, so hopefully we can uh, we can provide that here. That's wise words, man. And I really want to get back into asking you about how your career started. But first, I, we, I want to get into the historical fact of the week, our first segment on yeah. this Mind of a Coach podcast. Hey, so what's our, what's our historical fact of the week? Uh, historical fact of the week, uh, right? Well, today, as we're recording this, it is uh, Latrell Sprewell's birthday. I'm not sure if you ever had those, uh, those data spinners, but uh, I, I certainly had a couple pair when I was younger. Um, so shout out to Latrell Sprewell on his birthday for providing us with some amazing shoes um, that always seem to break. Um, and then also Yao Ming's birthday is coming up later this week. Uh, so uh, that's, our, uh, that's our historical fact for the week. That's a good fact right there. So just celebrate the whole birthday. That's what we're just celebrating over here. Celebrating some birthdays. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, so so question. Mm -hmm. You said Latrell or not Latrell Spreeway. You said Yao Ming. You mm -hmm. got the Rockets playing. And although we're not here to talk about the NBA too much, but who you got? You got your uh, boy? I got I got my boy. I got my boy. I'm not gonna go into detail, but I, I got I got the king. So okay. We'll see how it all unfolds. Okay, that might be your weekly positivity too, huh? <laughs> which is our next segment, our next segment, which is weekly positivity. So Asa, give me something that has been positive in your life that has happened in this past week. We have so much negativity going on that we would really like to shine light on the positives. So Asa, what you got? Um, yeah, it, it seems like, I'm gonna kind of take it just out of myself, but it, uh, it seems like that there's a lot of things happening that, uh, in terms of this coronavirus and the pandemic, it seems like things are kind of turning in a direction where it looks like we may be able to have a, a season. Um, not sure exactly what it will look like, but I know that uh, there's been a lot of teams who have had some success when it comes to testing. Um, they've had a lot of negative tests. I know the NCAA, they've been having some meetings um, talking about maybe taking advantage of that time in between Thanksgiving uh, and the start of the second semester to try to squeeze in as many games as possible. 
Um, I believe they're voting uh, on something on the on the official start date coming up soon. Um, and I believe that date as of right now is like November 25th um, is when they're looking to start. Really? Uh, and so will so, that be practices or games? Well, I, I think games as far as far as I know right now. OK. Uh, so if we can just, you know, make it through these next month and a half, two months to, to yeah. November 25th um, without things going completely awry. Um, I think we'll be looking all right. So, um, that, you know, that's just positive. I, I do think things are uh, turning in the right direction. So, um, you know, we'll see. Season could happen. It might not. Things could change any day. So, um, just got to take it one day at a time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Especially with everything going on and how uncertain everything's been. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see that there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, I yeah. Think what it's- about you, uh- my fault. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so our guys got back in the weight room this week and we're going to be getting them on the court next week, which which is exciting because it's just been a long process, especially in division two basketball. And so it'll be exciting to have those guys back on the floor and like just getting that news, you know, just like, like, I mean, players are already antsy, but they don't even realize how us coaches feel. Oh my like, God. No. What do we even do with ourselves? It's like, we're coaching. We want to be able to be on the floor with you guys. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're just, we're all of a sudden just desk workers. And it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's part of it. That's part of coaching. But yeah. we, we really get to enjoy the part of being on the floor. So like that being taken away from us has been tough. So mm-hmm. getting to be back on the floor, that'll yeah. be, that's my uh, forward thinking weekly positivity. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, when we got to get back on the floor with our guys, it just felt it, felt normal for the first time and you know since march since everything shut down in march um and just being to be able to get back on the floor with them uh yeah it's been good it's been it's been really good so um yeah i'm just like i said taking it one day at a time so we'll see what happens good man well um i don't know if the viewers are ready for this asa Mm -hmm. but the first podcast we're gonna learn a little bit more about you is that cool with you that's that's fine with me man that's fine with me i'm here let's do it all right. So for people that don't know, um, Asa and I have, were roommates for four years when we played at Lipscomb University. And through that time, we became best friends. He was in my wedding. Thank you, Asa, for showing up, being a great you're friend. Welcome, thank um, and thank you for everything else you've done in my life. But um, anyways, well. so growing up, we're going to go way back before the Lipscomb days. Mm-hmm. And we're going to turn on to your basketball career and mm-hmm. how it all started. So you grew up in Brentwood, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. So, so tell me what it was like growing up in Brentwood and then how your basketball career started within like, I guess, from when you were, whenever you started to, I guess, high school or college or whatever. Um, so yeah, growing up in Brentwood, uh, my father introduced me to the game when I was probably five or six, he was my first basketball coach. Um, we went out yeah. to the driveway. I, I asked, you know, everybody wants when you're five or six, you want your dad to uh, to be your coach. Not so much when you get a little older, but oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're five or six, you definitely want your dad to be your coach. And my dad mm-hmm. said, all right. He said, all right, okay, so I'll be your coach, but you have to show me that you can do a left-handed layup before I'll be your coach. So we went. I said, okay. And I'm like little five or six-year-old me. Um, we go out to the driveway spent a whole afternoon and I'm trying to figure out how to do a left-handed layup, how to do it. I'm doing it. I'm missing it. I can't get the, I can't get my right foot and my left hand. I mean, I was everywhere. And so finally I kept doing it, kept doing it, kept working on it. And I finally made a left-handed layup and I could do it consistently after a day or so. And, uh, and then, then my dad became my coach for that year. Um, 
And uh, so that's really kind of how I got introduced into it, uh, introduced to the game, excuse me. And, uh, and you said, speed. and you said again, uh, how old were you? I was five or six. I was young. Okay. Okay. I was young. That's what I thought I said. Um, so my, so my dad played a uh, basketball at Belmont. Um, he is a, uh, he, he was one that taught me the game. Um, he's taught me how to shoot later on. Um, so he's always been there every step of the way. Um, let's see. So growing up in Brentwood, um, great place to grow up. A lot of awesome people there. Um, obviously a more affluent area. Um, so definitely there were some, I had some opportunities to be coached by some incredible people. Um, some incredible students of the game who, who really knew the game and knew how to teach it. Um, so, and it was, it was a privilege. It really was. Um, I was introduced to people early on, like, uh, Brian Collins, who I'm sure we'll get into more, who's head coach at TSU. Um, guys like Mario Moore, who's a Nashville legend. So I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you right there because mm -hmm. you basically really introduced me to Mario. I knew who Mario was when I was growing up because I watched Vanderbilt basketball and Tennessee basketball, and I would just always watch basketball. But when I met you and all of a sudden you brought Mario, I was like, what the heck? It's Mario Moore. Yeah, and yeah. so anyway, I want you to tell me a little bit about meeting Mario and how that relationship developed and how it blossomed throughout the years. Yeah, uh, it's funny because all of my friends were, you know, either a Tennessee fan, a Vandy fan, a Kentucky fan. Um, I grew up a Belmont fan. Um, so yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah. So I, hey, I hey, hey, just keep that easy. You know, you, where'd you graduate from? I know with this jersey. <laughs> I know we can get into that later, too. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so. Mario played at Vanderbilt. Um, I grew up a Belmont fan. I, I met Mario actually at Penny's camp, um, his first ever camp in the summer of 07, I believe. And um, Mario was, he was playing a little bit overseas at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I did well the camp. I was going into seventh grade um, and me and Mario just kind of built a relationship at the camp. He, he saw some potential in me um, and uh, I got to talking with him and he was like, you know, man, I'd love to train you. I'd love to get into the gym with you. And honestly, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And it was because of Penny holding a camp like that. Um, that's how I got, you know, that, that's how I was able to get in touch with Mario and, and build a relationship with him and learn from him. And um, it, it really was, man. He is, he's an incredible mentor. He's an incredible student of the game. Um, the way he sees the game, the way he can break it down and explain it to you uh, is second to none. And uh, so I was just really fortunate to, uh, to be able to learn from him. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of stuff even off the court too, uh, just the mentality, the way you face adversity that, that guys like, uh, not just Mario, but guys like Penny as well that are, uh, mm -hmm. that are able to uh, prepare you uh, mentally for the things that come on and off the court. Uh, so that was honestly, I mean, that was a huge thing for me because I, I, I certainly would not be where I'm at today without, uh, without him or Penny and a few other guys like that. That's awesome, man. Well said. I mean, just from knowing Mario in the short brief time that I have, just how impactful he's been on me and just how wise he is. He's, yeah, a, he's a wise yeah. man. And, and I could tell that obviously you've been lucky enough to, to have him in your life for a while. So mm -hmm. that's awesome, man. So um, not moving on, but kind of like in the middle of that. So you said you were introduced to Mario in middle school, correct? Yes, sir. So you went to Sunset in middle school. Mm -hmm. All right. So tell me about your transition from middle school to high school and what it looked like when you were playing basketball. Uh, so middle school, I was a, I was a decent player. Um, obviously Sunset Middle School was in Williamson County school system as a public school. Um, after middle school, uh, my family and I decided that I was going to go to uh, Bruin Academy and um, let's see, get the Bruin Academy as a freshman. Um, 
playing pretty well. Um, I end up didn't I started a few games, but ended up being the uh, the six man for most of the year, and I, I was fine with that. I luckily I kind of understood my role on most teams I was on, and was willing to accept that and uh, do whatever I could to help the team win. Um, so I go. I have a great freshman year, Brentwood Academy. Um, probably got a little complacent after my freshman year, and uh, didn't have as great of a sophomore year. Um, but uh, so after my sophomore year, um, I decided to switch schools and change and go to Brentwood High School. Um, so I played and uh, so I played my junior and senior year there. Um, let's rewind a little bit. Uh, once I got to Brentwood, um, I wasn't sure that I was necessarily going to be eligible to play. And um, so a few weeks into school, it was official that I was not going to be able to play. And Really? Um, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't know that part. Yeah, there were some, some rules in place. Um, so, all right, cool. You know, I can't play. Um, and at that point, I had two, just, I had two ways I could have gone about it. You know, I could have th- thrown in the towel and um, said, you know, well, I can't play anyway. I might as well not work. Um, I can sit this one out, kind of relax, take my time. Um, or I could approach the season as if I was going to play. Um, I could keep working my tail off um, and just prepare myself for whenever my moment came. And uh, by the grace of God, uh, after our first game, uh, the athletic director at Brentwood High School actually showed up at my house one day. And uh, he said, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, you're going to be able to play this year. What? So, man, it he was showed up the, at your was, house? showed up at my house and had like a letter from the TWSAA. And um, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was eligible from then on. And had, you know, had I not prepared the way I did and gone through uh, – preseason workouts and, and, and pickup uh, sessions that we had and the weightlifting and the conditioning, I wouldn't have been ready um, for when that time came. I didn't know it was going to come at that time, but I wouldn't have been ready. Yeah. And I'm thankful that I was, and I handled it the way I did. Um, so go on that year. Uh, we have a great year. Uh, Jack Montague was our point guard, uh, ended up playing at Yale. He, um, incredible high school point guard, had a really good uh, college career as well. Um, we lost in the sub-state game that year. Um, and so going into our senior year, you know, we had a chip on our shoulder. We felt like that we felt that we uh, had worked uh, had worked hard enough and uh, not deserved to be there, but we had kind of earned the right to be there. And we felt like we came up short. Um, so going into senior year, um, we all had that chip on our shoulder, um, continued to work, lifted harder, worked harder, ran harder, played yeah, harder. That's awesome. Um, and senior year at Brentwood was awesome, man. It was awesome. We ended up making the uh, state tournament for the first time. Uh, in school history. Uh, that was awesome to be a part of. Um, and then uh, ended up losing to Southwind in the uh, in the semifinals of the state tournament that year. Um, but I and then one of the main reasons it was so great. One, we had, I had great teammates and two a guy named Coach King. If you haven't heard of him and you're from the state of Tennessee, then you might have been living under a rock because Coach King is a living legend. Now, 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 Asa, I'm not going to let you get too far ahead. Now, we're going to talk about Coach King, mm-hmm. but you, but you kind of skipped over one important moment in that state tournament game. What was that? So, before you played Southwind, who'd you play? We played Blackman. Okay, so, so, what was the score at halftime? Walk me through that game because it, because I've seen in the papers that there's this Asa Duval like Aurora going around Brentwood High School around this time. So you got to walk me through it. So, so what happened during this game and why might I be mentioning your name right now? All right. So we, uh, <laughs> so we played Blackman High School 
first of all, Darius Thompson, who was an incredible player, ended up uh, going to Tennessee, Virginia, and then finished at Western Western Kentucky. He's playing overseas right now. I uh, I played AAU with him the, the summer prior to that season. And um, we played black men. They had a loaded team. They had Juwan Jennings, who ended up playing football at Tennessee. Um, they had a guy named Justin Coleman, who's ended up playing overseas. As, um, a couple other just freak athletes. Uh, they were a great basketball team. So we played them in December. And they absolutely smacked us. I mean, they beat the brakes off of us by 33 points. Um, that was our second loss of the season um, at that point. And um, so then we, uh, we, we, season goes on, we make it to the state tournament. And um, in Tennessee, the way they do the state tournament is they basically draw out of a hat. And uh, when it came our turn, we drew Blackman. And so and that initially, was exciting. Uh, oh yeah. So initially, I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of like, dang, <laughs> dang, we got them again. I bet. I bet. Like we just got beat by 33. I'm not trying to play them again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and so okay. So we draw Blackman. It's like a Saturday morning. Then we get a, a text from Coach King about 20 minutes later. So we got Blackman 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Da 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 da. Let's get ready for practice period and he ends with we're gonna shock the world in all caps and from that moment on we were all like oh wow we might be able to do this like that just got us all riled up we were ready to go if coach king said we were gonna shock the world then damn it we were gonna shock the world that's um, funny so going to the game 10 a.m wednesday morning middle of school week weird game right weird time to play as a high schooler yeah i mean really you never played time. another game besides maybe on christmas break or thanksgiving break exactly. or anything like that exactly um down 18 at halftime uh getting killed couldn't shoot well from three um and i remember coach king <laughs> time he looks at us man and he goes you for you seniors out there if this is how you go down this is how I'm going to remember you. It won't be making it here. It won't be any other of the great wins we've had this season. This is how I'm going to remember you. And it was like the most, it was just the most what? humili like not humiliating, but just humbling thing. Like, oh my gosh, we can't go out like this. We cannot go out like this. And see, I got to interrupt you for a second because it's so interesting to hear how different coaches reach different players. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know we're not going to get into like the really ins and outs of it, during this podcast and we're just going to mm -hmm. really, I mean, what this is, is we're going over your story, mm -hmm. but how that, that right there was what he needed to say to the group of guys in your locker room and mm -hmm. you included to get mm -hmm. you guys going. Absolutely. But anyway, what I, I, I don't know if you guys won or lost yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you tell that. that well, part. look, that type of stuff was normal from coach King. A, a few weeks, a couple weeks earlier, we were in the district tournament losing at halftime, the district tournament, mm -hmm. not playing well. And, and, Coach King said, if y'all lose, he goes, if y'all lose this game, I'm going to make somebody quit next practice. What? In, in, during the district tournament, Nathan, during the district <laughs> tournament, he was trying to make somebody quit. That's he was amazing. Crazy, but I love him. He was crazy, but I love him. And yeah. Anyway, so that's the, kind of, that's the kind of coaching style he had. So come out second half, back to the game, come out second half, and um, making a little comeback, making some headway. We're knocking down a few more shots. Um, tie the game up with about eight, 10 seconds left, call a timeout. Um, we think they're going to go man. They've been man all game. They come out in like a one, three, one zone. James McPherson, sophomore point guard at the time. He notices it. We had a play drawn up. James just takes it, dribbles down in the middle. I'm kind of in the corner, a little bit above the corner. Uh, James made a great play, hit me on the corner, uh, on the wing. Um, I shoot it and uh, it went in. We go up three. 
um, but people don't really realize is that Darius Thompson had a great look with about three. He had a dribble, dribble or two with about three seconds left. A heave from half court, and it almost went in. Almost went really? in. Really? Uh, yeah. So that's what that's what people don't really uh, don't really remember. Um, well, they don't but, uh, need. They didn't go was, in. <laughs> <laughs> but there was yeah, there was a there was a pretty important shot there towards the end made by some old washed up scrub now. So. Um, but it was uh, it was exciting, man. It was one of the funnest things I've ever been a part of. It was a complete team effort, and uh, it's definitely something I'll never forget. It was special. That's amazing, man. I mean, it was it was the talk of the whole county for it, it, for a while. It was pretty cool the reactions that uh, that I heard and that I got from people. It was it was pretty cool. I mean, it's funny because like even the guys over at BGA were pumped up that Brentwood had made it. <laughs> and obviously I had friends at Bremwood at the time, Jack yeah. Batista, Jacob Adcock, you know, yeah, Andy yeah, Shepard. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were humongous for us that, 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 see, that year and that game. Yeah. And it's just funny because it's like, I was like, I never knew I would cheer for Bremwood so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden Asa Duvall's hitting a shot. I was like, I just, I was just playing against him at Bremwood Academy. Little did I know that I was going to be his roommate for four years and he was going to be one of my best friends. <laughs> That's so true. That's true, man. So anyway, um, I told you that we were going to talk a little bit about Coach King. So I would love to hear your experience with Coach King, what he's meant to you, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, Coach King is like one of the t- is no not kidding. He's one of the top three most interesting men in the world, uh, men men in the world that I that I've ever met. Uh, he was from Pittsburgh, moved down here because he was a songwriter um, of all things. He if you look at him, he looks like a mad scientist. Uh, look like, <laughs> That's the nickname. Yeah, the mad scientist, the Tasmanian devil. I mean, he's got it all. I can't wait for him to hear this. Hopefully he listens. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Coach uh, King, please listen to the podcast. Asa <laughs> really wants you to listen. Um, but uh, I do as well. So, all right, where was I at? Yeah, so he um, moves down to Nashville, songwriter. He was a boxer. He won like a gold glove or something. Um, he, we come in at practice on a Sunday evening. We had practice six days a week the whole, the whole time. Um, so every Sunday evening, we walk in about six o'clock. Coach King had one of those uh, punching bags in the locker room. And we come, we walk in there getting ready for practice. And he's in there just drenched in sweat, going to town with this little radio sitting on the side, like from 1975. And he's just cut really? off, just going to town on this punching bag, just like gearing up for practice, getting ready. So you're like, oh, man, we may have a tough one tonight if he's done <laughs> I but, bet uh, that would, that would intimidate me as a little oh, 16, 17 year old. Oh my gosh. And, uh, but man, coach King is, he is X's and O's. He is out of this world. Um, completely out of this world. He, he can, he can pick apart a deep, he can pick apart a defense in a sleep. He can draw up any scheme, any play, um, any type of misdirection counter. I mean, he's, he's just incredible, man. Um, but the way he coached it for me, it, it worked well. He was just, if you weren't playing well or if you were playing soft, he would, he would tell you, and he would put it pretty explicitly most of the time. And for me, that was cool. I responded well to that. Um, some, some players do, some players don't. Um, but Coach King had a way about him, and either you bought in or, or you didn't, like most coaches do. Um, it just looks different. Um, but Coach King was just good at, at motivating people um, and just getting people, I mean, getting people to play hard. And honestly, sometimes he scared us into playing hard and winning. Games. Oh, I bet. <laughs> he, did. He, he really, really did. He could, I bet he could be an intimidating guy. Yeah. But, you, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. He's uh, yeah. he, he was great, man. I, I have the, I have nothing but respect for him and, and wouldn't trade the, my time with him for anything. 
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so after you hit this big shot, you are thinking you're going to not Lipscomb, but Stetson University. Yes, sir. Okay. Wow. So, so walk me through what happened there and how that whole situation played out. So I committed to Stetson um, where Casey Alexander was at the time um, on August 10th of 2012. Um, and so, you know, that's obviously first day of senior year, the whole, so you don't remember that date or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. August 10th. Um, August 10th, 2012. So, you know, my whole senior year, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going down to Florida to play college basketball. I can't wait. Um, so, you know, as an 18 year old kid, you're gearing up for this whole thing. Your excitement's building up. And, uh, a couple weeks before graduation, um, Casey calls my dad and tells him that he's taken up, that he has taken a Lipscomb job. Well, my, like I said, my dad played at Belmont. I grew up a Belmont fan. I've been brainwashed to hate Lipscomb at this point. So I'm sitting there like, first of all, I'm crying. Like I'm upset. I'm really upset. I'm sure. Um, and uh, I remember I, I was, I was up in my room beside myself and my mom and I don't, and my mom walks in and uh, she was like, Asa, like, are you, are you sure you don't want to go to Lipscomb? And I said, mom, hell no. And that's the only time I've like ever said anything like that to my mom. And um, I was about to say, your mom's such a sweet woman. How know, could you talk like that? Sorry, mom. Um, but uh, so anyway, so it, it after some talking, um, I, I was still, I was, I was, I was hurt. I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, this had n- nothing to do with Casey whatsoever, but I was, I, I was hurt about it. And uh, so, you know, now two weeks before graduation, I don't really know where I'm going to school anymore. Um, so I decided to go to a Hargrave Military Academy um, in Chatham, Virginia, uh, play for the post-grad program. And um, yeah, so I made that decision in you know, early June or something and uh, headed out that way um, in August. Um, and that turned out to be a great thing. If you want me to get into that a little bit and what that was like, or if you got a question about it, um, I can feed off that. Um, but ended up going to Hargrave Milita- Military Academy for a year and uh, then ended up uh, back home at Lipscomb. Um, I just thought that was the best thing for me. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so we went to Hargrave. Mm-hmm. So, Asa, were we a cadet there? <laughs> yeah, and we're going to well, show your picture right now. So uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, uh-huh. wow, you look great in that outfit. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so tell me a little bit about being a cadet. Yeah, so it's a military school, and some there are some postgrad schools that are you know you can kind of skate by and um, and kind of get away with not really having to do everything. But that that wasn't the case at Hargrave. If, even if you were a postgrad basketball player, you were up at six a.m. every morning outside, dressed in uniform by six fifteen in formation, marching to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, for the first three weeks you were there, you had no phones, um, two practices, two workouts a day. Um, on top of some PT uh, with the uh, with the other with the rest of the student body, the rest was with, with the rest of the of the cadets. Excuse me, um, <clears throat> but it was it was one of those things, man, where it, it literally was what you what you made of it. Um, if you wanted to sit there and be miserable and cry and whine about how how crappy it was, then that, then it was going to be crappy and it was not going to be fun, and you weren't going to get anything out of it. Or you could try to find ways to have fun with it. Um, I ended up being a platoon sergeant uh towards the end of it which was, which awesome. was pretty cool um i still got the uniform to this day i wear it every halloween <laughs> it's like my only halloween costume oh buddy we we just showed the picture so it's i i think they i think they've seen it now but but i have a question because you gave yeah. such a important important um lesson to the people out there right now is you said 
a lot of people had the choice basically. And it's, everybody basically has a choice in life and whatever they're doing and whether it's in coaching or playing basketball or, or like I said, um, but it's how you go about it. It's how you act. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to affirm the fact that I didn't, I didn't even know you were a platoon sergeant. That's yeah. the first time that I've heard of it, mm -hmm. but doesn't it give you a kind of perspective on what the service men and women do for our country? Yeah. Yeah. Because so you got to, you got to live a little part of it. Well, so I'm interested yeah. to like, wow, is that, I mean, is they're living a different life or just give me a little insight on that. Well, first of all, it is on an incredibly, incredibly smaller scale. I don't, gotcha. I didn't do yeah. anything close to what uh, our, our troops do. So they, they deserve, they for, deserve all of their respect. For sure. For sure. I'm, 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 excuse me. Let me, let me rephrase yeah. this. When I'm talking about, I'm talking about from a discipline perspective, yeah, yeah. because I feel like it's so easy for us to whine and complain mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in doing anything. And especially mm -hmm. like as college basketball players, I mean, you've been a part of it. We've our yeah. locker room, although we had the life, we're yep. still complaining about this, that our, our Jersey isn't washed on time, this, you know what I mean? So yeah. what I'm trying to say is like the fact that it taught you, I feel like you have this like certain amount of discipline now mm -hmm. being there. And so like mm -hmm. a respect for the army, um, Navy, any mm -hmm. military branch in general because mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, I guess the, the big thing is that it was so regimented. Um, like I said, waking up at 6 a.m. every day, having to be dressed in 15 minutes. Some days that was a tie and a button-down shirt and a belt and slacks and dress shoes. Sometimes it was our the combat uniform. Um, mm -hmm. But the amount of even the amount of discipline that those people go through, but also, I mean, take it outside of the military that the amount of discipline that needed that needs to be practiced in order to be successful and perform at a high level. Um, it, 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 it kind of lays that foundation for you. Um, I mean, we had to make our beds every morning, even down to the crease in the sheet. Like if that wasn't right, then you got it, you got in trouble for that. Um, so really the, the important thing about it and the whole reason that it is the way it is at Hargrave and other military schools as well, is that it just, it lays a foundation for you to have discipline um, in other areas of your life, whether that's exercising, um, socially, uh, you know, w whatever that may be, um, it, it lays a good foundation for you. And I, I do mm -hmm. think that um, it's a good thing. Some people, some people need to practice it more than others. Some people don't. Um, but for sure. while you, even if you're in a, in extreme, even if you're in a situation where you're out of military school or, or something that's as strict and as regimented as that, um, you know, it, it can be a good thing for anybody, whether you think you need it or not. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it certainly was a, a benefit to me. I don't have any regrets of, of going there whatsoever. I met some lifelong friends there, some lifelong coaches that I still keep in contact with. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a, uh, it, it was a, it was a cool thing, man. It, it really was. And I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely believe that I appreciate it so much because I had the right attitude going in and coming out of it. That's awesome, man. And you mentioned something um, that I'm going to get into a little bit. You said that they made you make your bed. Do you so when, uh, when coach Sean Rutigliano gave us the book, make your bed, you were already prepared for this. You're like, <laughs> I I've cool. done this, but also knowing that I've lived with you for four years. Yeah. You didn't make your bed every day. No, 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 no. But I, you did have a lot of discipline in other areas. So yeah. Anyway, I, I wanted to throw that out there for the viewers and maybe Coach R is listening right now and maybe he can appreciate that. But anyway, so you finished your grad year at Hargrave. You mm -hmm. had a good year at Hargrave mm -hmm. and then you decide, okay, 
where am I going to college? So walk me through that process. Um, at that point, I had been away from Nashville for, uh, let's see, about seven, eight months. Um, and I wasn't the kid that was really ready to get out of Nashville. Um, I appreciated Nashville. I always have. And I knew it was home. And um, just after the whole after the whole Hargrave thing and, uh, you know, that year coming to an end, trying to figure out exactly what I needed to do, um, talk to the family. Um, Casey was still willing to let me come on and, and be a part of the program at Lipscomb. And uh, I had had the longest standing relationship with Casey. He had, uh, I'd been in contact with him for a while at that point. Um, he and my dad had a connection going back to, to their Belmont days. Um, they didn't play on the same team, but just, you know, uh, same program. And um, it, it was just a comfortable fit. Um, being comfortable with Casey, I needed a family type environment and, and Casey and Coach Edstrom and Coach Draven and then Coach R came along and I remember Coach Evans was there the first year. Um, it just, shout and AJ, shout out to AJ. Shout um, out to that boy, AJ. Um, he just got married or married, by the way. Yes, he did. Miss um, Anna. It yeah. was just, it just, it just felt like the right thing to do. Close to home, be around family um, at the school and close to family, you know, family only lived 10, 15 minutes away. So um, it, it just felt like the right thing to do. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I didn't know you were done. You, you ended abruptly. Sorry. Anyway, but that's awesome, man. So you got there. So th from that point, moving through your career at Lipscomb, walk mm -hmm. me through it because it was a whirlwind. Um, well, oh, oh, let me start it this way. Overall, from year one to year four, it, it, I, I'm going to say it went great because um, it ended as well as it possibly could have ended uh, yeah. team-wise and program-wise. Freshman yeah. year for me was probably like a lot of, unless you had just an incredible freshman year basketball-wise, it was, you know, a lot of people get into that struggle. They have, they have trouble either picking up the offense, picking up the speed, adjusting to the speed, the strength of the other, of the upperclassmen. Um, so it was a struggle. Um, had some positive moments here and there. Um, and um, so freshman year, um, up and down. Uh, sophomore year, you know, I wanted to have a better season. Um, sophomore year did not go, did not really go well. I wasn't playing a lot. Um, wasn't getting the minutes I, I, I wanted um, or felt like I worked for. Um, but even when that's happening, uh, you know, at that point, you have to focus on, on other people. Um, you have to be a good teammate. Otherwise, you're going to be completely miserable. Um, in sophomore year, you know, it was transitioning still from we had some of Casey's new kids to there were still some of Sanderson's kids that have been there uh, before Casey. Um, so, but you could feel things kind of coming together, I feel like, our sophomore year. Um, junior year comes. And um, I, uh, so on the court, on the court for me personally, it, you know, sophomore year was, was not great. It just wasn't. Um, junior year comes around and uh, I tear my ACL in October of uh, 2016. And so I'm, I'm out, I'm out for the, for the whole year. Um, got to cheer you guys on um, again, back to, back to my point about focusing on others. I could sit there and feel sorry for myself all day long, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not going to uh, speed up the healing process. It's not going to change yeah. my circumstances in that moment. Um, so, man, just really trying to be as positive of a teammate as I can possibly be, um, standing up, cheering, trying to be vocal. Um, I'm a big talker. Um, I think that if you're on the if you're on the basketball court and you're not talking, then you're really not on the basketball court. Um, so, 
that was junior year. Um, so I rehab, uh, try to come back senior year. Um, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm still wearing the brace, finally get out of the brace and then, um, game start. And I'm still not playing, not playing a lot whatsoever, missing most games, not, not seeing the court at all. Um, still trying to have the same positive attitude. Um, then about early on in the conference season, I tear my other ACL, um, same spot on the court, uh, almost same exact scenario, both times, same exact spot on the court, like I said, which is kind of freaky in my, in my opinion. And it was ACL, MCL, and two menisci, as they say, um, in both knees. Um, so at that point, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I can't come back from this. Uh, you know, there's only a month left in the season. So my career is over at this point, yeah. um, at least in terms of uh, playing. So uh, season goes along, coming into the conference tournament. And um, I'm, I'm cheering. I am rooting my butt off. I'm trying to clap. I'm up. I'm standing. I'm yelling. Um, make it to the conference championship. And, and we make it an NCAA tournament. And, man, I'll tell you what. I would tear four ACLs again if it meant a trip to the NCAA tournament. It was whether, I'm, whether I'm playing or not, I don't care. I, I would rather me not play and us make it than me play and, and not make it. I believe you 100% because, too. Because it, it was – it was that special it was. Of an experience. It was incredible. I mean, it was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of in my life. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, all right, we don't have too much longer, but I want to get to this. So after your playing career ended, you mm-hmm. decided to take a job not in basketball. Mm-hmm. So this goes on for how long did it go on? About eight months? Uh, yeah, about eight months. And then I started working with my dad for another probably five, five months. Five months. And then... Um, what something happens and I want you to walk me through it um, maybe at a quicker pace, not trying to rush you, but Mm -hmm. just because we're running out of time here, but I just want you to finish that off. All right. So it's a Wednesday night in August. I'm sitting down in in the hot tub at the apartment complex. Is this a book? Holy cow. (laughs) Is this a book? (laughs) And um, I, I, I checked my, well, I was talking to uh, some, some people in the hot tub and they, you know, I was telling them about basketball and, what do you want to do with basketball? Well, I wanted to play as long as I could. That didn't work out. I always wanted to stay around it, um, be involved in it any way I possibly could. And uh, thought about coaching, not really sure that's the avenue I want to go. You know, college is more of a business. Um, so I get out of the hot tub five minutes later and I have a missed call from my good friend named Josh Lester, who went to uh, Brentwood Academy, uh, played basketball at Belmont under Rick Bird. Um, he had gotten hired at a school called Cincinnati Christian back in June. And um, he calls me and says that just that day that the head coach was stepping down, uh, the head coach at the school was also uh, the softball coach. So he didn't want to deal with the burden of having two sports. And um, so Josh calls me and says that the head coach, when he stepped down, named Josh the head coach at 24 years old. So Josh, And I'm thinking, man, he's telling me this. I'm like, dude, and Josh has his master. Josh is an incredible, incredible man out there for none of y'all that know, uh, that know Josh. He's, he's amazing. And um, and I'm like, dude, that's awesome, man. You earned this. You worked for it. Like, you're going to kill it. And then he goes, yeah, man, well, I need somebody to come up here and uh, kind of be my, my right-hand man, be my assistant coach. And he was like, I, I, want you to, I want you to be my assistant coach. So I'm looking at the phone like, dude, are you sick? Like, me? <laughs> um, seriously, I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, I know, because you told me about it. I was like, ah. You were like, dude, I don't know how this, how this happened. Like, so why I go to work. <laughs> it, it was wild, man. So I go to work with my dad the next day and he says, Hey, did Josh call you about something? And, uh, he go and I said, yeah. He said, 
well, what do you think? I said, I mean, I guess I'm kind of interested. And my dad said, well, listen, if you have any interest at all, go home, change your clothes, drive up to Cincinnati, talk to Josh and make a decision. So I said, all right, went home about nine o'clock on a Thursday morning, drove up there, hung out with them Thursday night, talked to the guys, met with some people at the school um, and uh, drove back home Friday and Sunday afternoon. I called my parents and told them I was moving to Cincinnati to, uh, to be Josh's assistant coach at Cincinnati Christian University. So I move up there September 16th and um, the school shuts down on October 28th. Um, so I was literally up there for just under two months. Um, so at that point, I'm like, man, I just left everything. I don't, I don't have a place at home anymore. Um, I don't know what I'm about to do. End up moving back in with my parents uh, in Nashville um, a few couple weeks later. Um, let me back up real quick. Penny calls me the night that he finds out the school shut down. And um, Penny's been my big brother for as long for a while, fifth or fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And he says, look, man, he said, if you know, if you want to come and, uh, and be the, I can name you the video coordinator, make you a part of the staff. Um, you know, I can't promise any monetary value at this point, but, um, if you, you know, I, I would love for you to come and join our staff and be a part of the program. So I said, all right, I'll do it. And so that's how I got on at Tennessee state. And um, first year was awesome. It was a great experience. The staff is incredible. It's a laugh factory 24 um, seven. Some awesome basketball minds on the staff, uh, some incredible players, some great guys. And uh, dude, it's been awesome so far. I absolutely love it. Um, and I just, you know, I think we got sp something special going on. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but it's been, it's been fun, man. It's been a wild ride, but uh, it's definitely been worth it thus far. So, um, you know, we'll see where it takes me. That's awesome, man. And uh, just for everybody out there, tell, tell everybody a little bit about what you do there because mm -hmm. you have created some really good content. So just a little bit, little bit on that and what you've been able to accomplish yeah. there. Well, thank you. Thank you. But there, there's always room for improvement. Uh, so I'm, I'm the video coordinator. Um, I'm try to put together some highlight tapes for the guys after uh, when the season's over. Um, if Penny needs some something clipped, if Coach Nick needs something clipped, if Russ needs something clipped, whoever it is, um, I'll put it together for them. Um, try to make some videos kind of promoting the program, just try to get a little hype behind it, um, just to, you know, get our name and image out there, uh, things of that nature. Um, but we've got some good things happening. So um, it's just, it's cool to be able to, to put them together for, the people to see and not just the people in the program that are there every day, but for people to actually see what's going on um, and what we're trying to do at Tennessee state, it's cool to be a part of that, especially behind the scenes and put it together and bring it to life. Um, so yeah, video coordinator, Tennessee state, man. It's a, uh, it, it really is fun. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, Asa, I appreciate you telling your story today, but um, we get, we're on to our final segment of the day, last minute of advice. So Asa, can you give the viewers, one last minute of advice. Um, control what you can control. Control what you can control. Because if you worry too much about the things you can't, then it's, good. it's, good. it's not going to be, it's, you're, you're going to be miserable. And you're always going to be comparing yourself to something that you shouldn't be. Control what you can control. Um, and, and I think you'll be a lot better off. All right, man, I think that's awesome. I, I am going to say something that you talked about earlier when you said you were not playing as much and you really dove into the team. So I have a quote from Brad Stevens that says, you have a choice to make when you're not playing. Either you're invested in a great teammate or you're not. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. That's so yeah. 
that's, that's my advice. You can either be invested and be a great teammate when you're not playing mm-hmm. or you're just not. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I think uh, too many times we think of the, the short-term value of playing and yep. what that leaves for people in the long run when really people remember what type of person you were and what type of teammate mm-hmm. you were. So Yeah, and it shows a lot when things don't go your way, when things are out of your control. I mean, it shows a lot if you're able to try to lift up others and just and, and be, a positive, uh, be a positive teammate because nobody wants to be around somebody that's just miserable all the time and whining about things not going their way. Nothing, nothing good ever happens in terms of a team when, that, when that's the case. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, brother. But anyway, Asa, I appreciate you uh, telling your story um, for you guys out there. Um, we would love for you guys to follow us along on Twitter. Um, it's Mind of a Coach. Um, you guys could also follow us along uh, our individual pages uh, at Asa Spades, if I'm not mistaken. At the Asa Spades with a Z on the end. Oh, get it right. And then Nate5 underscore Moran. Um, once again, we are also on mind of a coach and we also have an Instagram page as well, which is mind of a coach. Uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning out this week and we are looking forward to being back with you guys next week. So anyway, Asa, I love you. I'm excited, uh, to start yeah, this journey with you Absolutely. and, uh, you guys take care and have a great week.